Come on and pay your dues and sew your name patch on your jacket. It's time for the Doors Dudes. Wait, no, that's next that's, week. Yeah. The 27 Club, the world's only podcast about the group so exclusive you have to die to get in. Hosted by 27 Club Fan Club President Pete and Treasure PJ. Hey. I don't love that Black it's Club. an... You're rubbing my face in it every episode at this point. That, All right, I'll stop. I'll stop. That we both voted you president. And yes, I by, and by default, default you treasurer. treasurer. Not even yeah. vice president, treasurer. I mean, let's go ahead and get crazy here. What if PJ, you were vice president and treasurer? That's too many responsibilities, Pete. I can't. Okay. I can't <laughs> take on that many. <laughs> what if you were vice president? But you gotta have a treasurer. Every club knows. You gotta have a treasurer. It's not a club without a treasurer. You gotta the count problem. the money, baby. Exactly. You gotta count all that money coming in from our hundreds of subscribers and hundreds of of daily listen daily listeners, weekly listeners. We gotta count all that cash flowing in that five dollar per episode Spotify and, and deal. Baby, it's hard. We are yeah. diverting funds from the twenty seven fan club. Um, I guess. Uh, all the to bake, our personal checking yeah well, all the bake sales we've been doing we're diverting yes. those funds to send me to accounting school so I can co- become a CPA and like do everything as yeah. right as we can be doing it yeah you're going to brand man university right yeah that's not <laughs> I was trying to think of an online school and I know what is the is it University of Phoenix yeah University of Phoenix yeah that's the one I knew was like more popular, but I listeners, sharp-eared listeners know that I lived in uh, foggy old San Francisco town for a couple of years, and there was a an online-only school that was based in San Francisco. Don't ask me how that's possible. And how they would have commercials on local. Only? I know exactly, and how can it be based somewhere if you yeah. know none of it makes any sense? But they would have commercials on TV there constantly. For Brand Man University, um, and so I chose that instead of University of Phoenix, and it was not a good choice. No, I thought it was that's funny. a very I, Bay Area specific thing. Yeah, it was very niche, <laughs> and I didn't understand it, but it was—I yeah. uh, knew what you were going with. It's better. I could have gone with Golden Gate University too, although that is in person, but it's like a similar vibe. Where it's a lot of like ESL classes, but then also you can technically get a business degree there, which yeah. is good for somebody, I guess. At the university we went to, um, mm-hmm. they started an online thing in like 2013, 2014. We were both still in school. Just just after we started our own version, as you know, mm-hmm. we talk, we've talked about previously on the show. We had yeah. our own online So classes. we could go from Anaheim. You know, mm-hmm. we didn't want to leave, but we, right. they give out, it's, it's a well-accredited school. I'll say that much. Yeah. I would wear my Google glass while I surfed, yeah. uh, so that I could be quote unquote, you know, in class. Uh, but it was really just, you know, I could, I could kind of knock those two things out at once. Right. And I would wear my Google glass while I, uh, well, it was more of an Oculus. I don't really know the difference, yeah. but uh, I would wear that while I was in the goofy costume at Disneyland. <laughs> nice. Um, so, that to say, the university we went to did an mm-hmm. online thing, and it was like trying to get kind of like a University of Phoenix vibe, and the building for it, because it needed a specific building, was in the same strip mall as the China Buffet. 
nice. which that should tell you the quality of it. And it lasted about six months, and then they yeah. took all the signage down and like never talked about it oh, again. So sad. Uh, so sad. I miss- Outlived by the China buffet. <laughs> Is that the one that was kind of good? This might be an off-air conversation. No, no, I think it's an on-air conversation. Oh, no. You're right. China Buffet is the one next to the gym. Yeah. And like a CVS or not Kmart, something no, like that. No, it's a CVS. CVS, yeah. CVS and a Joanne Fabrics. Yes. That's the one where I knew the son of the owners. And apparently, I was, I'd never been, but I was told this, that basically they were really good cooks. Like, And I knew friends who had been there with him. And they would serve like their actual family if they came to the restaurant, like authentic Chinese food that was Mm -hmm. really, really good. But the like menu of the restaurant was American Chinese food and it was very bad. But it's like because they didn't give a shit about making that crappy American Chinese food. They but they knew how to make really, really good authentic Chinese food. Friend of the show, Paul, loved it. He loved China Buffet. Yeah, it's but then like it's one of those where. I also, until I met this person who was a family member and, like, I had some friends who were friends of his, I had only ever heard terrible things about it. So. Uh, yeah, see, Paul it's, loved you know, it, I, and I, I don't think yeah. he knew any, he didn't have that special yeah. family hookup. He didn't have the, the friends, yeah. Ah, uh, well. R.I.P. Danny. <laughs> <laughs> I assume he's probably still alive, who knows. We can assume he's dead if we never talked about him on the podcast before. Dead to me. Yeah, at the very least. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Well, PJ, welcome to the show. Yeah, welcome to the show. <laughs> P- thanks for being here this show. week. Yeah, sure. You too, man. I appreciate you making time and your your busy schedule of getting ready for accounting school. Um. So I wanted to share. This actually might not be. Uh good on-air conversation just because we're talking about pictures so i'll use my best discretion yeah there you go but i sent you a link before we started to something so my wife uh, my wife um is a very is a huge fan of this person (laughs) on instagram um who does i don't know how she keeps saying they use ai to do it and i don't know how or why they even need to use ai you could just (coughs) do it like you could just use digital art yeah you know skills but instead they use ai somehow to like create what people that she first found them because they do a lot of like what animated uh cartoon characters would look like if they were real people right but this post she showed me was what if like all these famous people who died young were still alive today and it's almost all musicians so i thought we could i i, I knew at least pj would want to see it So the first one is Elvis, would be 87, and he really just looks like someone's grandpa. I mean, which obviously Elvis at 90, it's not like he's going to still look like a rock star, but it's wild how much that just looks like. I don't think they used AI on this one. Somebody somebody took a picture of their papa for sure. Yeah, exactly. But it's also kind of remarkable. It it looks like Elvis. Or like you at least see where they're coming from, Yeah. yeah. So the next one's Marilyn. But Monroe, wait, 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 wait. Oh, Elvis God. has sure. at eighty-seven has yeah. far too much of a hairline for an eighty-seven-year-old. They didn't like, oh yeah, change it at all. I don't know. You think you don't think Elvis is getting taking drugs or, or anything to kind of keep that hair thick and full at eighty-seven? I think at the very least he's wearing a toupee. 
<laughs> yeah, probably. But, but he's not going to be wearing a white toupee. You yeah. think a jet black? He's going to be wearing a jet black with a pompadour. Yeah. <laughs> the ducktail from <laughs> he goes back early. He goes yeah. early on this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, so we'll skip Marilyn Monroe and Bruce Lee because who cares? Freddie Mercury, who basically <laughs> just looks like Freddie Mercury. Like it's they added. It really a few just looks like they him. took a picture of Freddie Mercury and added some like liver spots and then salt and peppered his hair and mustache. And That's they really gave all that. Happened. They gave him some shitty glasses too. Oh yeah, true. They gave him like frameless. Glasses. Yeah. But really, aside from that, it just looks like someone photoshopped a picture of Freddie Mercury. Well, and so. do you think he would still have the stash? That's my big thing. Yeah, but it's... Okay, so he would be 76, according to to this thing. I haven't done this math independently. And I doubt... I mean, we were just talking about, you know, um, Elvis having all white hair. 76 yeah. does not seem... It seems like he would have to die a lot to be... He's, like, almost all dark hair. Yeah, I mean... He's, he's, he's mostly pepper and not enough salt, I would say, yeah. for 76 years old. Well, and, like, mustaches, they go before hair it seems like with most people yeah if he if he did still have it it would at least be a lot weaker and or like gray just not as it just looks like his mustache in 1982 yeah but just with some 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 salt flakes in there it he looks it looks like they morphed a picture of freddie mercury and current day um tom Selleck. yeah yeah so the next one and bear in mind this is coming directly after (laughs) after freddie mercury the next one is John Lennon at 82, and my immediately immediate thought is just, oh, John Lennon would look like Brian May then. Yeah. <laughs> Which I think it's just the the Freddie Mercury, you know, being right next to him, but it really looks like Brian May. Like, he has long, like, shoulder-length, curly gray hair. Well, then it seems like they made it. I know the picture that they stubble. used, you know? Like, yeah. It's... Yeah. And they made his hair curlier. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why his hair would be so curly, because it was, it was very straight. Yeah during his life so i don't know <laughs> why it would be curlier it definitely looks brian may-esque with all the curls but well and I otherwise don't, i don't think it definitely looks like john lennon i don't think he'd have facial hair i think he'd do the paul thing where paul looked yeah. amazing with a beard for 25 years yeah, and yeah. now he's just clean cut you know but here's agree, the thing but... he's wrinklier than paul mccartney is now paul mccartney looks pretty good for his age i think i don't know i think and I don't think Lennon I agree did. With I guess you. Lennon did a lot more heroin than. I don't yeah, think Paul McCartney. And really... I think Paul McCartney is that wrinkly. I gotta say, like, because most of John's in this picture, most of his wrinkles are in the neck. And I think if we look up Paul McCartney, no, his neck now, is quite wrinkly, but his face isn't quite as wrinkly as. Uh, maybe I'm wrong. But I guess so. Paul has a fuller. This is wow. We're really getting into. Paul has a fuller face than John. John's a lot bonier, and I feel like the bonier face would lend itself to being more wrinkly. I think you're right. I agree. I'm not. I'm yeah. no doctor. <laughs> I'm no skin doctor. You're no. You're not a dermatologist. But, I mean, look. I'm a skin musician. I play the skin flute constantly. Every but day. I'm no skin doctor, and I. But that's my. That's my take on it. Yeah, you're probably right. Let's see. Paul McCartney, 2022. Surprisingly hard to find just a good picture of his face. It's a lot of stage pictures. I mean, if this picture is from this year, you're kind of right. Okay, here's a good one. I'm just going to hold it up to my camera for PJ to see. Yeah, see, he still has... Like, I feel like it's similar, though. He's still... Although the hair coloring they got right on. Like, it's the exact same amount of gray as the John Lennon. Maybe Paul McCartney just has, like, since he had a baby face when he was younger, he's got more collagen in his face or something. Maybe. 
So, yeah, so that's kind of fun. I don't know. We're not going to plug this person on Instagram. I'm sure you'll be able to find it. Um, but I just thought those were, were kind of fun. Yeah. Also kind of dumb. I mean, extremely dumb. Yeah. It's extremely dumb. But the Marilyn Monroe one, once again, does not look like Marilyn Monroe. No, but, and this, uh, I'm trying to think of a way, I guess, I just think, I feel like women look more different, older, than a lot of men. Here's the, here's my thing Whether that's because of like, makeup and stuff, and doing a lot of that when you're younger, and you know, and, and so that and that being less of a thing when you're I don't older, know. The, the, I don't know. Instagram has those things that's like, can you guess a celebrity from their like younger photos? And I yeah. feel like all the female ones, I guess, correct every time. Like Betty White yeah. looks like Betty White when she was twenty, you know? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think yes and no, but then also, have you not, PJ, been at a relative, an older relative's house, like say your aunt? uncle's grandparents house grandparents and you're you like there i don't have any okay answer, i yes yeah. exactly you were about to say no 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 keep going um and like they got the pictures on the wall of them when they were like young married people you're right it's, okay like obviously they they do look similar like everyone is gonna look like somewhat similar right. to themselves old but i just feel like my grandpa does look like my grandpa and my grandma does not look yeah, like my grandma like you're it right just, it's yeah. a bigger difference and i don't know what to attribute it to but it really feels like yeah. Maybe it's hair too. Like dudes generally just have the same hair their whole life. You know, it's just some <laughs> variation on yeah. a crew cut. And so, but like women can have like crazy, especially like if you're looking at someone with like a very fifties haircut compared to, yeah. you know, so a that can look very different. Yeah. Perm now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I don't know. I see what you're saying. If you think Elvis would look like that, that's not (laughs) the worst fan engagement of all time. Write us in with your thoughts on some random dude's Instagram post we talked about and didn't tell you how to find. Yeah, how to find so that you could talk about. That's why we have. That's why we're one of the most popular podcasts on the platform. (laughs) That's right. That's why Spotify will not let us go. Um, and we're God, we're kicking and screaming. We're the only people still left worried about Joe Rogan at this point. And Spot yeah. and Spotify's like, look, no one else cares anymore. Why are you still That was like a month ago. What are you talking yeah, about? Yeah, why are yeah. you still so upset about it? And we're like, because we have we have goddamn morals, Spotify Joe Spotify. Yeah. Yeah. Tom Spotify? I forget. Who knows? We just all of our if this <laughs> I don't know if this is making a difference, but all of our uh all of our negotiations on this front have just been going back and forth with the Spotify, like generic customer service email. So it's very confusing about who it's, it's different people every time. It's just like Tom, Joe, there's a Tom, there's a Joe. Jamie. Yeah. Yeah. You know, one time J- Jane, we got back and forth for like three different emails, which is the longest run I think we had with yeah. one person, but then we just got handed off the next, you know, so, so it's tough yeah. to, their team of lawyers is so large. Well, and you'd think their names would be more uh, Nordic or uh, Scandinavian. Yeah. You know, you, you ever, get an Uli up in yeah. there, you know? Yeah, yeah. You ever email with a customer service <laughs> to a customer service email for some company, and after a few back and forths, you're like, I'm pretty sure it's the same person, but just they're changing the names so that it looks like there's more people on this team. That could be. Yeah. Um, I'm getting that. I'm getting that vibe from Spotify. Do you want to hear every person over, every male 
over the age of, uh, let's say, 47's favorite joke? Yeah. Well, I was talking to this guy the other day, Indian accent, thick as hell, but his name was Joey? Are you kidding me? Come on, that's not your name, pal. You have no idea how many times I heard people say that uh, when I worked in customer service. Okay, that's fun. Yeah, every single one. Yeah, also, would you rather? Yeah, uh, oh my god, don't even get, don't shut, PJ, don't even get me started. Don't get you started on boomers, gah. Um, I just found a sticker inside the sleeve of my sweatshirt that is, like, not, Huh? it's not like a sticker that would be on, like, a new piece of clothing or anything, it's just, it's like, it's a like from the factory or something. Sticker or something. Yeah, just a little code on a yellow sticker. That's weird that that was up my sleeve. Hmm. Well, PJ, let's move on to the most important thing at hand, which is um, I have a song to share with the people. Yeah? And it's a song. There's a, I would say, let me start from the beginning because this story is a roller coaster ride. So, PJ, I was in my car. And this is not, listeners will be sad to know this is not Sirius XM talk. Yeah. Uh, Sirius XM chat, I should say, because uh, Shelby and I made the hard, the tough uh, decision to to end our relationship with Sirius XM. Wow. Um, Pete, after this is a, huge a beautiful, news. I know, after a beautiful about 18 months, I think, of, of being subscribed to their service. So you paid for said, it for six months. <laughs> yeah. We said no more. Uh, actually, a year, because I think when we bought our car... It gave you six months. I think it was only six months free. Yeah, Yeah. it was six months free, and then we got a year. Um, but we made a hard decision. You know, it's kind of like when you have to say goodbye to a loved, like a loved pet. You know, take him to the vet and just throw him in the garbage. Yeah, it's really like that where it's it's so hard, but you know it was the right decision for all involved. Um, so I was just listening to what Portland, (laughs) foggy old Portland towns. A version of Sirius XM, which is a uh, like fifties through the seventies oldie station. It's called Keep it's actually... It Weird XM. <laughs> no, it's called it's called Kissin' Radio, uh, and it's weird. It's weird. It's a weird uh, radio station. But the the most remarkable thing to me is that it is not hits. It's like it does the serious thing more, where it's like they play hits from the time, but not the hits people know now. Um, which is really nice. It's actually a, a really good radio station in that way, uh, where they play a lot of, a lot of deep cuts. Um, but they played this song the other day and I could not believe what I was listening to. And then once I looked up what song it actually was, I also couldn't believe that it's a song by Eric Burden and the animals who previous to now I thought were great. Uh, although I haven't heard, a ton of their music but this is a song called monterey by eric burden and the animals and it's very apropos to our show since we've had two artists at Monterey, three artists at monterey yeah out of everyone we've talked about so far and this came out in 1968 by the way so right after monterey the events of monterey or at least uh, what was that other instrument that Alan Wilson played? Some kind of, you know. 
some of them came and played. Dobro, maybe. And then you got that classic Eric Burke. Yes, it did. Down in Monterey. Is that Talkbox PJ? But with a sitar? Yeah, is there a sitar setting on that? Their music being born of love. Children dance night and day. Religion must be informed. Down in Monterey. The next verse is really where it gets good. The birds and the airplane did fly. With the sitar behind him, like it's a bad music drop in an old movie, like yeah, when they walk into Egypt, you know. Masugila's music was black as night. Black as night. The grateful dead. That's Brian? Yeah. Ten thousand electric guitars were grooving real loud. Okay, so I think that's all we really need to listen to. So that that previous verse was the part that really got me and made me go, what the fuck song is this? And then I could not believe it was Eric Burden. It sounds like a song that was like written for an infomercial of like the best of Monterey Pop CD set that you can buy now. Yeah. For nine nine for only nine ninety nine, and then it's like the list of artists at the end of the show. Like having the fucking like little music stings in the back when he's talking about each artist. And yeah. Also, just like I kind of thought Eric Burden was a cool guy, but he could not sound more like a fifty year old man trying to describe how hit Monterey was. Yeah. With. <laughs> Damn. The, the Grateful Dead blew everybody's mind. Did they write that after uh, Joni Mitchell wrote Woodstock? No, this came out in 1968, man. Oh, so she kind of caught. And that's the that. other thing is that they were so like their yeah their minds were so blown by this, <laughs> by the Grateful Dead and and the entire experience of Monterey that like we have to write this song. It has to be cheesy and it has to come out as soon as possible. Yeah, did they by chance talk about four different people that we're gonna talk about on the podcast? Man, yeah, it it was so yeah. I really couldn't believe how shitty that song oh was. it's really bad yeah yeah it's amazing especially because like previous it made me question a lot of things because previously on this very podcast i have defended eric burden and the animals that's true well, eric burden in war technically red yeah. red wine i i took a hard stance on i thought that was by ub40 Red, red <laughs> oh yeah what am i thinking of <laughs> spill the wine that's the song <laughs> i can't even remember the name of the song that i love so much that i defended it to the death against upj but whatever yeah spill the wine we had a, an argument about and i was like no eric burton's amazing and now i don't know anymore you think i might be right huh i mean I think it's at least an open question <laughs> at this point. <laughs> I get one good song does not a great artist make, so that's true. And that was a great one that you just showed us. Yeah. Well, PJ, do we want to uh, move on? We haven't mentioned we haven't mentioned her name once so far, 
in our pre-show talk or in our yeah. on-air conversation. But to the the artist at hand, who it is our final episode on her, and yeah. uh, I can't believe it took us this long to to even get to it. Wait, actually, we have one more segment before we get to that, so we won't. <laughs> Let's just hold back real quick. We won't get to her yet. We have some listener mail. And uh, like I almost (laughs) said at the beginning and caught myself, we're basically just a Doris podcast at this point. I think all our (laughs) drops are Doris. All our songs are Doris songs, so... But we hey, are, we have we're a Doors podcast albums and like an Eric Clapton podcast. Yeah, exactly. When you have six albums in like four years, it's you got a lot of songs to choose from. So yeah. Uh, so we have some listener mail. Our first listener mail of the Twenty Seven Club. Thank you to our fans for writing in. Yeah. Uh, you're welcome and encouraged to email us any of your thoughts on the Beach Boys, the Rolling Stones, or any Twenty Seven Club members at thebeachboysboys at gmail.com. No, 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 Wait, no, no. Is it? Beach Boys oh my boys God. at gmail.com. At beachboysboys at gmail.com. Don't make the same mistake Josh made. See, I um, I corrected myself. I yeah, mean, thank you. I caught it this time. Yeah, thank you, thank you. Uh, so we have a letter from old-time, old-time, long-time listener Nathan, mm-hmm. uh, who has written us several times. A good man. Uh, like, a good, like a good little boy. <laughs> uh, Nathan says, sirs, which is always the best way to Excellent. start a letter. thank you. Um, long-time listener, first-time fan here. That's not true. Come on. Wait. Is Nathan saying <laughs> up till now? He's listened from the, I think, from the very beginning and has emailed us several times, but this is the first time he can write us as a fan. It took him this long to, to be, be a called fan. a true fan. It was kind of like when we went through the Rolling Stones, and it took me maybe until, like, God, I don't even know, until the show was over, maybe, to actually consider myself a fan of the Rolling Stones. Yeah, at least somewhat of a, yeah... Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, long-time listener, first-time fan here. I'm enjoying the new show on the 27 Club. Thank you, Nathan. Appreciate it. Uh, you're the first and only one to say that. Yeah. I've never given the time to listen. Even PJ's like, eh. No, I'm... I've never given the I'm time iffy on it. Yeah. to listen to the albums from a lot of these artists you're covering, so I'm excited to learn and hear new music. Us too. Uh, I laughed out loud when PJ said, My Bologna. Um, I think you do have to do a Weird Al podcast now. He has had a long career, including a movie, TV show. Who is this guy? Fucking Weird Al's publicist. A movie, a TV show, 14 (laughs) studio albums, is white, and has a biopic being shot right now starring Daniel Radcliffe. I just want to say being white is not something necessary to our podcast. Look, it's no longer a prerequisite now that we've covered Robert Johnson and Jimi Hendrix, okay? It was. I'll be fair. It was a prerequisite for the first two bands. But I will say they both had... Well, the Beach African Boys American had members. Yeah, yeah, they had what's his face, Blondie <laughs> Chaplin in. and uh, yes, yes, Ricky Gervais, the other guy. Yeah, <laughs> and then they name. had um, yeah, Ricky Fatar. Fatar. And then yeah, the Rolling Stones had a uh, um, our man himself, Billy Preston. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the Fifth Beatle, Billy Preston. So you'll be striking while the Al is hot. Ha ha ha. Also, my first vinyl record was in 3D by Weird Al, so you have to do it now. Oh, okay. Sorry, Nathan. Why don't you start a fucking podcast yeah, on Weird Al? a little demanding, I think. <laughs> if but, that, yeah, yeah, if it's that important to you. Either way, I'm loving the show. Maybe Pete should try learning the harmonica, and he will become even more of a fan of it. I already tried. My wife said, hell no. Yeah. 
Respectfully yours, Nathan. Well, thank you for the letter, Nathan. I, uh, we appreciate that our one fan is still listening yeah. and, and now considers himself an actual fan. Right. That means a lot. Uh, cause before you were our one fan, but you still, you held us right on it. You teased us out with giving us your full fan support. Right. Um, so yeah, maybe, you know, maybe Nathan would want to become the treasurer if you become the vice president. What do you think? Which, well, I'm already enrolled in accounting school. Oh, yeah, right. So he would maybe... But maybe, we don't know what Nathan does. Maybe Nathan's already an accountant, so we would just slot him That's perfectly. true. We don't know him super well. Um, Although, what if, I know, because what if he's coming in and he's just going to start stealing all our money? He's going to cook the books. <gasps> what if Nathan's an undercover agent for sick <laughs> Oh, no. He's going to and cook our books. So then we get the... We get the uh, the feds on us again, and uh, yeah, we get taken down. Yeah, as a rival, they rival raid podcast. the treehouse. Yeah, it's crazy. They're still intimidated by us because we moved on from their subject matter like two years ago now. Exactly. Yeah, it's been a long, <laughs> but long time. still, I mean, it's kind of like look, just like uh, gangs in the 1930s, podcasters hold grudges, and look, like we, you know, we did attack that. We did take over a little bit of their territory right. several years ago. We, but we moved out. But they still hold that grudge against there. us for for affronting them. Yeah. yeah, we showed them disrespect, and Wyatt, their capo de titty copy, is <laughs> gonna fuck us up. Still, we took our shoes off the power line. We said yeah. we're done here. You oh know? yeah. See, you're going the wire. I'm going Boardwalk Empire. I think it all works though. Yeah, it's all the same thing. HBO. Look, man, if anything never changes, it's crime, brother. <laughs> and uh, the, the the gabagool. I had to get one yeah, more in there. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, um, uh, who are you, Tony Soprano? What, what's going on here with the big, big pussy? Look, we got Polly, We got Salvatore. We got Tony. We got we big got pussy. Antonio, we got macaroni. We got Carmela. We got Carmela. <laughs> we, we got Carbonara. We got <laughs> Gabagool. We got everyone, all the greats. Yeah, we got a pepperoni. <laughs> a mozzarella. A spaghetti. We got everybody. Yeah. We got we got gravy, of course. What they what they what true Italians call spaghetti sauce. Yeah. Past that gravy. All right. So, thank you for the listener mail, Nathan. Uh, we will consider a Weird Al podcast. I believe there is currently one. There is um, with a terrible name. Yeah, which which turned us off of it. It's and it's not even so. Look, there was one Beach Boys podcast when we started the Beach Boys Boys. But it was both defunct at the time and... We thought. <laughs> not quite as well known. I mean, they have good listenership, but the Weird Al podcast is like famous people hosting it, I think. Oh, is so, it? I'm pretty sure. Well, PJ, do you want to go ahead and get to Janice? I don't remember what we were talking about. Oh, thanks for the listener mail. Email us at beachboysboys at gmail.com oh, I'm sorry. about any of your no, thoughts no, no. and opinions. Shut up for a second, because I also have listener mail. Oh, go ahead then. So my listener mail uh, is... It's from SoundCloud which is where we host our podcast, which yeah. uh, is a mistake. It's nice that they email you personally all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this comment comes on the episode, The Beach it's Boys. It's a comment. It is a comment. From SoundCloud or from a listener? Who from a, oh, from a listener. Okay, okay. I was like, wow, SoundCloud's now selling, sending us their thoughts on our show. Oh, That's no. Um, episode eight. Joe at SoundCloud here. We love your show. Beach Boys Boys, episode eight. Pet oh, sounds featuring Jake. Yeah. Um. At three minutes and eighteen seconds in, he commented, "Bego shite." 
And let's see. So and, this is Jake. This is Jake's SoundCloud account, I assume. I, you know, it's it's from a gentleman named Carl Birkin. Uh, his his picture is uh, a picture of him that he put into an app from like 2008 to make him look like an alien. Nice. And let's see what just what he didn't like. Eye contact with you, <laughs> and then when we are done. Peter and I will make eye contact with one another again. Yeah, and you have to stop talking. And then you mu- and then you can talk when we look back at you. If I yeah. make a slashing motion across my neck, that means cut the scene short. Oh, I thought oh. it meant you wanted to kill yourself because you're on, <laughs> on a podcast. I thought it meant uh, I should slash your throat. The, thank you. I mean, I think everything we were saying before, I, I'll drop that into the episode, but I think everything we were saying before that is hilarious. So, um, okay. sure. You know, Carl, we appreciate you writing in. Um, I told him so. I said, thanks, Carl, uh, replied to his comment. And um, we just appreciate any listener, you know, writing yeah. in at all. And getting any That's engagement right. is good. So, Pete, you, if you want to do your spiel now. Uh, yeah, so please please email us uh, any of your thoughts and opinions on the show at beachboysboys at gmail.com. That would be phenomenal. Yeah. And that has been... Listener mail. All right, Pete. Let's get down to this dirty of it. Um, Let's do it. So we, you know, we've danced around it so far, uh, but I'm gonna go, PJ. I'm gonna just go ahead and come out. I'm gonna come out and say it. Good for you, Peter. Talking about the pearl, the pearl herself. The one born from an oyster, they called her. Uh, Aren't we all born from born from oysters, kind of? Really? Yeah. Yeah. We're all from the sea. Yeah. Um. What's her goddamn name? Janice Joplin. Boy, it's been so long. Is it? I ruined your. Bit. Are you sure it's not that <laughs> Sam guy? Sam Smith? I don't remember. It's been, yeah, it's been so long since we've talked about it. I'm trying to remember which member of Big Brother and the Holding Company got famous. Hmm. You know, this bit works Was for it us, James Pete? Gurley? But, um... <laughs> Our to, listeners just heard this. To the listeners, they will have, yeah, heard a week ago. Uh, we're talking about the, the life and career of Janice Joplin. And it's our final episode on Janice Joplin. Uh, sadly. Yeah, but let's uh let's go ahead and get into it. We have PJ. We have our first and potentially only posthumous album that we are going to talk about as part of the Twenty Seven Club. I don't podcast. think that's true, but yeah, I, I can't say for sure. We'll get there when we get there. But I I would say generally we would shy away from talking about posthumous albums. Like J- there's a lot of Jimi Hendrix albums that came out after he died. There right. was like a lot of studio B sides and unreleased stuff. But Pearl, the album Pearl, uh, not Pearl herself, <laughs> uh, the album Pearl was, as we'll get to when we when we get into the album details later on, essentially entirely finished before Janice died mm-hmm. and released, like, really without, it released as it was, as it was when she was still alive. Like, right. they, they just released what they had. So we're going to go ahead and... Uh, count it as the final album um because at the very least it appears it was all songs she like wanted to come out you know the album was was basically right. done um it wasn't a bunch of b-sides that weren't good enough uh but you get you get those scraps after the fact oh, i love scraps so, 
He loves table scraps. I'm a little piggy for scraps. See, and I'm into, <laughs> and I'm into crumble uh, cookie crumbles personally. I'm more a fan of those. I, I, explain the difference to me. A scrap is more well, stringy. Well, see, scraps are more yeah. Scraps are more like you take what you can get. Okay. But cookie crumbles are a little more like you take what life gives you. Okay. I think. So I think you're that's little, maybe the main difference. You're a little mousy for those cookie crumbs. <laughs> yeah, that's right. If you give a mouse a crumble of a cookie. Uh, so during the, if you give Janis Joplin any amount of heroin, yeah, it's hey, a bad wait. idea. Are we are we sponsored by Crumble Cookies now? Is that what we're getting into? You didn't tell me that. Sure. Yeah, that's without an E, right? Uh, C R U M B L. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, just leave that E off. Yeah, hell yeah, brother. Getting paid. Love it. So we're going to pick up where we left off during 1969. Uh, I believe the last thing we, we talked about was... Uh, Cosmic Blues was released in August 69. So after that uh, came out, Janice, Janice was struggling. So we talked about Woodstock and how that she d- did not like her performance uh, at Woodstock because she was nervous, she was high, she was drunk. She apparently yeah. pretty soon after really struggled playing some shows at Madison Square Garden uh, where she was getting really drunk as well and high before shows. It wouldn't do well. She didn't like the huge venue. And especially for some reason, Madison Square Garden, she felt like a lot of pressure. Um, yeah, it's too geometric for her, I would guess. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, yeah, just like Electric Ladyland Studios. Um, she really preferred rounded. Zero right yeah. angles, yeah. Two square. Um, yeah. So, yeah, so she felt, she had like a quote that I'm paraphrasing, but just when she would play Madison Square Garden, she felt like everyone was watching her, wondering if she would make it through the show. Uh, whereas compared to like huh. the small clubs that she was used to playing in San Francisco, um, she felt those had a more friendly, kind of laid-back uh, well, vibe. So here's the thing. Her, I've so. never been a heroin addict, but at that point, um, don't you... Never? Well, not that I like to talk about on air, Pete. Um, no. Wouldn't you think that at that point if you're like oh they're all wanting me to fail and like you know collapse on stage or whatever see if i'll make it through yeah. isn't that the point where you're like huh maybe that's on me <laughs> maybe i shouldn't uh put myself out there to where it's like maybe this chick's gonna collapse on stage you know i would say yes and no pj hmm. i i don't think you're entirely wrong but i also don't know that i think we should meet janice where she's at mentally and not question her reality Hey, I'm not the heroin no. addict here. Okay. I was addicted. If this is like, you know, maybe I can kind of understand how she's feeling. I was addicted to the song heroin for quite a while. Yeah. Um, Like I just needed every day. I needed to wake up and then a few times throughout the day. And again, right before I went to sleep, I just needed to hear Lou Reed go. Be the it, and it got me off. Me. Yeah. 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 So I don't know. So at the end of the summer, Sam Andrew, the big brother uh, holdover, quit the Cosmic Blues band, got sick of the gig, uh, and actually ended up going back to Big Brother eventually. 
Um, and then the whole band, the rest of the band breaks up at the end of 1969. Okay. Uh, yeah. So in early 1970, Janice decided she needed- Do you think the needed... guys from Big Brother would be pissed? Like, oh, you're the one he took with you and now you want back in our little band? It is, you know, uh, we did talk last week a little bit about, I found like an article from like 2018 or something where they, they did an interview and seemed like obnoxiously bitter about it. Yeah. <laughs> still and about janice leaving them you know and like people so she's been dead for 45 years guys. yeah yeah Yeah. and people kind of like not giving them enough credit and stuff for like discovering her quote unquote um so it yeah they seem petty enough that i am kind of surprised sam just gets to come back and that they weren't so i guess at the time maybe they were more chill about it and maybe they they hardened later on um so at the beginning of 1970 janice decides she needs some time off from music and drugs so she takes a vacation to brazil uh where she stays for like two months i think in brazil yeah classically uh, no drugs in brazil uh are you thinking of colombia the cocaine capital um no brazil she successfully got a, a big yeah. heroin trade i think oh okay yeah she successfully stayed off drugs um or got off drugs you know weaned herself off and stayed clean um she met a guy and she had like a really nice relationship down there. Oh. Um, he was also, you know, not into doing any drugs. He wasn't one of those dirty hippie types. Was he Was um, he a Brazilian man or was he like a Nazi? No, an American. Okay. Yeah. American abroad. That's, uh, I feel met... like in Brazil, it's a lot of Brazilians and then a lot of uh, former Nazis, you know? Yeah. No, I I think he was neither, which really means, yeah, he's Shocking. probably like the one yeah. guy in the country. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. They met in an expat bar, you know? She's like, I just need a place where I can go get a good old American hey, Pete, burger. I've heard the term expat a lot recently. Sure. Yeah. I don't really know what that is. I know what it is, but now that you bring it up, I don't know why it's that. So expat basically, I, it's someone who, I think it's specific to America. Okay. And it's a, an American who lives abroad. I will say I'm unclear whether it's someone who is not an American citizen anymore, like who changes their citizenship to a different country. I don't think that's it. I think it's just an American citizen living abroad. But I don't know why it's called that why because it, it makes it name? sound like, shouldn't it be short for like expatriate? Yeah, I always... Oh, it is, actually. It's short for expatriate, but it's a different word than in my mind, as in the, I, the New England Patriots. I, I thought I knew what it was, um, an expat, yeah. but then somebody was talking about it, and I was like, hmm, I don't think I actually know what this word means. I thought it was somebody yeah. who was like on deployment somewhere and then was like, or like in yeah. Vietnam, and was like, hey, Vietnam's right. pretty nice. I'm just going to live here from now on. Um, it is that, but, but it's not specific to that. See, so, I thought it was somebody yeah. who was stationed somewhere, and then they were just like, right. oh, I'm going to not be in the army anymore, and I'm going to be a Brazilian, you know? That's maybe how it kind of started, honestly, just because before the world was more global, like, that's the main way you would travel, live in another country ever, yeah, yeah or travel like that. Um, but a quick Google, uh, expatriate is... It's spelled E-X-P-A-T-R-I-A-T-E. Okay. Um, and expat is just short for that. And it's just purely a person who lives outside their native country. So it doesn't have to be American. Although, I guess, since we are American, that's where we generally see it. Why used. is... Okay. 
but I just I just don't understand it. why that's the word for it. But it's just a word. I think I don't think it's a word that means anything else. I think it's a word that is that. That's what I mean. I just think it's oh I, f- I don't know. I don't know either. So she met this American expat <laughs> in Brazil. Uh, he had also changed his name from Pat uh, to Paul. Oh, okay. So he was on also uh, he was also an expat. Um, and, well, and that's what I originally thought you meant. And then right, I remember that's why it gets yeah. confusing because like yeah. most of the time, and you're right that originally like a lot of the expats used to be named Pat, and then they would be yeah. like, "Now I'm Tim because I live in Vietnam." Um, so I'm going to change my name to the classic Vietnamese name, Tim. I'm going to blend in now. Yeah. I'll be named Tim. Uh, so, but they broke up right after, pretty much right after they came back to the States. Um, because he of just a couple wanted, of things. He just wanted a she free immediately, ride. Yeah. Well, yeah. Right. I know he couldn't leave the country and yeah, yeah hopped on her plane. Um, because she pretty much immediately started doing drugs again and he got really freaked out by her hardcore drug use. Um, and then he was also bothered by, this is not something we've covered yet, but it it comes more into play here at the, the end of Janice's life. Um, Janice has had for like at least a year or so, I think this on again, off again relationship with this woman named Peggy Caserta. A woman. Um, yeah, a woman. Um, Podcast so over, he was apparently <laughs> he was apparently kind of bothered uh by that as well uh or learning that although oh, it seems okay. like yeah i don't know um he probably was in brazil yeah. when all this free love state stuff came about i know yeah he comes back and he's like what the fuck happened over yeah. here guys it's all these long hairs yeah he's a, he's he's still 1964 don draper yeah. <laughs> walking into 1969 san francisco like what the fuck now yeah. <laughs> Um, okay. So Janice's manager, so still Albert Grossman, uh, Bob Dylan's manager and big brother's manager. Um, so Janice's manager has an intervention for her around this time, uh, to try and keep her off drugs really. Cause she was yeah. in Brazil. Um, so apparently during most of 1970, she is off heroin. She still drinks a lot. Um, and I, I will say pretty much everything I read about her being off heroin position it like she could have still been doing it, but everyone was pretty sure she wasn't. Okay. So, I mean, given how addicted she was, usually, you know, you know, it's not yeah, like it at the very if least she starts doing heroin again. It's not like she's going to be doing it. Yeah. Less mm-hmm. enough where she can hide it. But I mean, who knows, I guess, um, her, as we'll, as we'll figure out at the end of this sad tale, her, her team, quote unquote, were not that close to her and really yeah. did a pretty bad job of looking looking out for her, at least in this way. So it is very possible, I guess, she was still doing heroin and just no one noticed. Yeah. So so now we're in spring 1970. She needs a new band uh, since Cosmic Blues Band broke up and she wants to get back on tour. So one of the members of Cosmic Blues Band, John Till, a uh, guitar player, Mm-hmm uh had a band has another band he works with called the full tilt boogie band and if you were wondering yes tilt in full tilt boogie band is spelled with two l's as a pun on his name that's funny yuck um so he convinces janice to hire full tilt boogie band as her new backing group wow yeah what a big convincing that must have taken huh i mean yes and no so 
first of all, good job on this guy for just getting all his pals a gig. Oh, for sure. Second of all, (laughs) I think yes and no, because Janice, as we know from her forming Cosmic Blues Band, she was highly aware of criticism about her backing groups. That's true. And so I think she was definitely picky about her new band. But on the other hand, not that Full Tilt Boogie Band is bad in any way. They're they're no, their name is garbage though. But I also feel like Janice. I mean, yes, I could see her being convinced in in a way where it's like, even if they weren't that great, he's like, yeah, we're friends. We'll just hang out. They're good guys. We can party, you know, and like, you know, that can. Hey, we're also a band. Did you know that? Yeah, exactly. So they play one show um, under the name Main Squeeze and then revert to Janis Joplin and Full Tilt Boogie Band, but they dropped the second L. So it's just. Thank God. Tilt spelled right. All right, I'm yeah. back on board with these boys. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh yeah, and then also about the band. So she was really happy with the band. Again, paraphrased quote that she finally has her band, not just a band. Mm. So she did really enjoy playing with them um, and felt that they suited at least what she wanted to be doing at this time right. a lot better than her her previous band. Uh, so they start playing together regularly in April 1970. <clears throat> right around uh, sometime in the spring. So this first show where they were called Main Squeeze, they play a gig at like a Hell's Angels get together. Cool. Um, yes. Very Good cool. dudes. Good dudes. In the yeah. Angels. As we've talked about a few times uh, in this show, the Hell's Angels and the, uh, the hippies were very closely tied in the Bay Area. Um, and Janice was apparently, I think no surprise to anybody, very friendly with the Hell's Angels. Yeah. Um, <laughs> question, like do, does that still seem to be the dichotomy, uh, of the Hells Angels and the Hippies in, uh, no. The Bay and area? in fact, I will say, I don't know whether this is, this is purely just, uh, anecdotal. Like, I don't know if there's anything real about this or not, but I saw less M- maybe. motorcycle gang members in the Bay area than I did, than I have like anywhere else in the West. So I don't know if it's a thing where since they were so prevalent there and since they got a lot of like FBI involvement, maybe they kind of have receded recently or maybe they're just less obvious about it or I just happen to not see many in the area I was in. Maybe if I go to, you know, 20 miles east in a different town. Also, most of your living in the Bay Area was during quarantine. That's true, too. Um, That's a good point. um, But like especially, I guess I'll say in when i i lived in uh colorado springs for a while after college and holy shit the what are they called the banditos, banditos are yeah. fucking everywhere down there yeah, like dude. it's crazy how many banditos i saw in like one summer of being down there yeah they always so. stay at a little motel in my town it's funny okay nice yeah um, yeah, yeah but so it's kind of wild how how prevalent they are and then yeah you uh, you're right that it was during quarantine but like you come over to like the bay area and it's like there's not yeah. you kind of expect i feel like to see a lot of um, when, when I was in university, um, mm-hmm. there in my, uh, in one of my lecture classes up in front every day, there were two guys, one with a full banditos jacket and nice. the other one with a banditos really? prospect cut. Damn. I um, never saw these people on campus. That's wild. Yeah. They were in like my history 102 class, like American yeah. history. Um, and I just every day I was like, I bet that pro- or that biker makes the prospect do his homework, and that's really funny to me. Probably, yeah. <laughs> that's wild, man. God, I can't even imagine. Like, what would that? 
What do they actually even do? Like, because there's no way it's actually no. Sons of Anarchy. They don't do know? guns so or it's like, what? drugs anymore. My dad yeah. my dad was the manager at a Cracker Barrel for a long time, and they would come yeah. through when they were going to Sturgis. Nice. And yeah. uh, he was like, they're just all accountants that order iced tea. Like, yeah. they're yeah. just not, I mean, they're not hard-ass dudes anymore. I can buy that. I mean, I feel like there's probably some, but... yeah. <clears throat> I don't know. It depends. If the you're a Hell's Angel enough, or but... any biker that yeah. listens to this show, yeah, write us. Right on write in. Let us know what you do. Show. We won't. We won't tell yeah. what you do, but we just want to know what you do. We'll bleep your name. Yeah. Anyway, so they played this Hell's Angels gig. Uh, first show that Janice has played with Big Brother on the same bill since she left. Um, oh wow! So apparently Sam, and maybe this speaks to him him leaving and going back to the other band. Sam uh, was apparently very nervous about it, um, and like assumed that there was going to be fighting and stuff. But it turned out it was okay. Nick Grave Knights, who we talked about last episode, is one of the new Big Brother guys. Um, was very impressed by Janice. Uh, Sam was not apparently. <laughs> um, and again, this is again this is after. Um, she was apparently off heroin, but he said, quote, she was visibly deteriorating and looked bloated. She was like a parody of what she was at her best. I put it down to her drinking, and I felt a tinge of fear for her well-being. So. Wow. I guess even if she was off heroin, she was not doing well, apparently. Right. So. Uh, Full Tilt then went on over the summer to headline a Canadian tour called the Festival Express Tour with literally pretty much every famous band at the time on the bill. Uh, and played or and toured the whole U.S. Uh, and they played what would be their final show together in Boston in August of 1970. Oh, so I hear Boston's lovely long. in August. Yeah, weird parallels between yeah between uh, Janice and Jimmy here, where they get mm-hmm. like a new band together. And I guess Jimmy kind of did it twice though, because then he also got like the new experience yeah. lineup back together, also right before he died and did some touring, but. Just kind of weirdness. Weird yeah. that they they both had that same thing go down. So a lot of parallels. Yeah. So they they head into the studio starting in August 1970 after they finished touring here. Um, they are in LA. They're working with uh, this is a little preview for our upcoming run. They're working with Paul Rothschild, famous for producing The Doors. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. He produced I think all of their albums. Um, I hear his family and, owns all the banks and stuff. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, or that sounds right. Um, so, and they're recording in Sunset Sound, staying in LA. It's all very 1970, I guess. Um, <laughs> Hell yeah, brother. Yeah. So Janice uh, stayed at. So here's uh, here's what I'll say is the first failure of management um, of many during all this. So Janice checks into this hotel called the Landmark Motor Hotel, uh, where she stays during recording. She is staying there alone, and I think maybe one or two members of the band are staying there too, but that's it. Albert Grossman, I mean, he's her manager. He also manages Bob Dylan. He doesn't have to be there, but he's over on the East Coast. Yeah. All of her other, like, team are staying other places, you know, for being, like, it is... concerned for her well-being and, yeah. like, well, all of the, I don't know. It just feels like they would have done to maybe... Me it... Seems anything to kind of try and keep an eye on her right well albert grossman it's strange to me that he is managing janice joplin and bob dylan because bob dylan's an east coast guy right and janice joplin is like full west coast so it's like 
I, I think mean, it really it came down to the Columbia thing though, because wasn't Bob Dylan also signed to Columbia? I think so. So I think maybe it like that was more of the thing. But yeah. and it was also so when they signed with him, they were primarily a West Coast band, and I think part of the idea was that he would get them oh, famous on the East, on the Coast, East Coast. Coast. Okay. Yeah. So I agree with you that like it's a little bit weird. Um but I, I think there was some rhyme rhyme and reason to it. So um so she checks into this hotel. She's staying alone. After a couple of weeks, she runs into a heroin dealer that oh. she used to know back in her heroin days. Convenient eight months earlier. For him, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but she runs into this heroin dealer and is like, hey, what's up, man? And he says, oh, I'm going to see our friend Peggy. I'm delivering some heroin to our friend Peggy, who <laughs> you know but stopped seeing because... Yeah. Uh, I don't know if I mentioned this, but she apparently decided to stop seeing Peggy around when her intervention because they would do heroin together and right. Peggy stayed on heroin. So. Right, right, right. So he says, oh, I'm going to see our friend Peggy. So she goes and talks to Peggy and is like, hey, what's up? Um, can I get some of that heroin from you? <laughs> uh, Peggy, to her credit, says no. Uh, and Janice says, don't think if you can get it, I can't get it. Uh, and true to her word, a couple of weeks later, she's back on the horse because she tracked down that delivery guy and just bought straight from him instead. Yeah, that <laughs> so. also makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. So after, you know, just a few weeks in LA, she is back on heroin. It happens so, to the best of us. Every time I've been know. back to LA, it's like, ah, uh, needle know, here, tough. black tar it's there, tough, man. you know? Um, so... During PJ, did I tell you once I was on a walk uh, with I was walking my dog and my small child just the other day in a stroller. Yeah. And just right in front of my house, there was a needle on the ground and I couldn't believe what if they had stepped on it or what if something had happened? I couldn't believe it that in my town there would just be a needle on the ground. It's awful. Just awful what the world's come to. I think we need to ban needles. So during this time, um, Janice is engaged. Oh, to a 21-year-old UC Berkeley student huh. named Seth Morgan. Oh, what a yeah. nerd. Who is, yeah, not a musician at all, not involved in the music world. Maybe that's part of what she liked about him. I don't know. Um, so while they're recording, he is staying at her house in Marin, uh, north of San Francisco, uh, and partially supervising its renovations, uh, which is really only worth mentioning because apparently Janice was having them build a carport shaped like a flying saucer. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, I guess it'll come up later that he's uh, staying at her house, but the renovations are really just, yeah. Anyway. Um, I like that it's, she's rich, presumably, and it's a carport, yeah. not a garage. <laughs> eh, it's, it's Northern California, man. Uh, like, you don't, it, there's... Especially like in Marin, there's really hardly ever even any rain. Where it's, are like you pretty gonna dry. keep your tools, Peter? <laughs> Tell me that. Where's Janice Joplin gonna keep her tools? Exactly. Yeah. Um. So, let's see. Oh, so just a fun side note thing, basically. Uh, while they're in LA recording, um, she gets a call from Yoko Ono, which. Oh. Weird crossover. I'm like, I know a lot of famous yeah. people know all each other, but weird that they were friendly at all. Um, I kind of don't like that. I'm surprised. But she gets a call from Yoko Ono, who asks, she's getting together John's 30th birthday present, and she's asking a bunch of people that they know to record 
little song snippets that she's going to send to to him as a okay. birthday present. That's kind of so sweet. she and a couple of Full Tilt members record the song Happy Trails for John, uh, which he did not get until after she died. Yeah, oh. that makes sense. His birthday's in but, December, so. Yeah, yeah. So kind of sad, but oh, mostly just very no. His yeah, death very is interesting. in December, not his birthday. Yeah. So let's see. So now we get to the weekend that Janice dies. So this is we're in October now. October 1st, I think, was Thursday or something that week. She records Mercedes Benz, the last vocal track that she, or anything, I guess, that she puts on oh, Lord. in the studio. Yeah. Um, and then came in the studio again I th- on that Saturday to listen to Buried Alive in the Blues, uh, the backing track for that, mm-hmm. and to figure out what the vocal was going to be that she was going to come in the next day on Sunday to record. Okay. So at some point on that Saturday, Janice gets a call at the studio that Seth up in Marin had met some ladies and they were hanging out at her house shooting pool. Cool. Cool. Which, I mean, I don't know that she would have been necessarily that bothered by, but apparently he was supposed to come down to LA that weekend to hang out with her and Peggy. Okay. So it was a, yeah, a a double slap in the face of I'm not coming and I'm shooting pool with some, some other women. Some ladies. (laughs) Your pad. Yeah. <laughs> so, the ultimate slap in the face. Yeah, exactly. So she was obviously, rightfully, pissed about that all day while she was at the studio. Right. Um. So, and then also apparently Peggy had stood her up to hang out that weekend as well, by the way. So she was not in a good mood. Um, she took, so this is where apparently at least one other person, the organ player from Full Tilt, was staying at her hotel Okay. Um, she convinced him to, or she, yeah, she convinced him to, uh, take a ride from her. She apparently would, <laughs> she had a Porsche, uh, and she would drive like a fucking crazy person. So no one ever wanted to ride with her. That sounds right. <laughs> but she convinced yeah. him to ride with her for some reason. So he was the last person to see her. Um, cause you know, they got to the hotel and went to bed, um, that night. And the next morning she was found dead in her hotel room. Hmm. So the cause of death was yeah, heroin so, overdose. Uh, can we take a moment, Pete? Jesus oh, sure. Christ. Yeah, of course. Oh, sorry. I thought that was a pretty long moment of silence. I don't know. Okay. Okay. Thank, thank you. So, uh, so the cause of death was heroin overdose compounded with alcohol. Um, initially, you're not so, supposed to mix the two. It says it on <laughs> yeah, the heroin yeah. bottle. Yeah, it does. Yeah. When her, her pharmacist told her. Um, so Dr. Robert, uh, told her, um, so initially, so this is all according to the coroner report. Apparently initially there was just alcohol in the room, um, because someone, uh, unclear who was first in her room, but someone had taken all the heroin and needles and spoons and whatever out. Um, but then they put it back once they realized that there was going to be an autopsy. Um, right. So it was apparently, this was kind of interesting. It's apparently was a really common thing in like the sixties and seventies for heroin overdoses for like friends to take all the heroin stuff so that it wasn't like in the news or whatever. Yeah. Or just, yes, that it wasn't, I mean, I guess the person's dead, so they aren't going to get charged with doing something illegal, but just like, so that that wasn't part of it. But it's like autopsies, you know, like we all, we know how they died anyway. So, but anyway, so. There's a whole, th- so that was kind of interesting, but, and also just interesting that it was unclear who 
who did that? Peggy. It's gotta um, be Peggy. Yeah, maybe. So for some reason, this is Peggy too. Peggy's written some a couple books, I think, about like her life and her relationship with Janice. And right. she has this interesting thing that she insists that Janice didn't overdose. She was high. She was drunk. But she was just high and drunk. So she she died from hitting her head when she fell because her shoe snagged on the shag carpet in the hotel room. That's the dumbest shit I've ever heard in my life. Which is, I know, it's very, I mean, it, it comes across as very, I guess not in a way we should laugh at, but just very much as a friend trying to protect her friend of like, no, it wasn't, it wasn't that bad. But well, it's like, she was an addict, man. It's tough. Yeah. But it's and true. maybe that kind of plays into her taking all the heroin stuff away. Yeah. Oh yeah. Maybe if it was her. Yeah. So obviously, I mean, maybe not obviously, but at the time of fairly shocking death, she was a very famous musician. And this is one that was, I I guess we don't know a lot about, we can't say an alternate timeline where Janis Joplin, it feels like she wasn't the most famous person in the world in no. kind of in a way where like Jimi Hendrix was maybe a little bit. Right. Or like even in her scene, it was like she was a very, very famous singer, but not necessarily on top of her particular genre. Yeah. Um, But this was literally two weeks after Jimi Hendrix died, same age, also from an overdose. So it compounded that and made it like that much more of a kind of shock. Um, And so, and really cemented, and then especially when Jim Morrison dies the next year, cemented her as you know one of the founding members of the 27 club it's the fentanyl of their generation yeah exactly so although i guess that's not true she had to have been because alan wilson died right before Jimi hendrix right and no one really gave a shit so obviously she was famous enough that it was a huge deal i mean certainly more famous than alan wilson but that's not hard Well, she had better luck with ladies than Helen Wilson. That's true. (laughs) (laughs) Up top, Pete. (laughs) God, fuck people who write Wikipedia pages. (laughs) So, so Janice died. Um, Or Janice is is dead. And so, full tilt. uh, So, this is in October. Beginning of October. uh, They end up releasing Pearl in January of 1971. Um, Yep. I assume they took a little bit of time off and then came back to it and realized basically the whole thing was done. I mean, they didn't, yeah, like they obviously didn't have to add any vocals. Like Janice's vocals were all done and at least close enough to a finished state where they felt comfortable releasing them. And then the only song that wasn't finished was that song um, Buried Alive in the Blues that she was going to record the day she was found dead. Right. Um, so that was actually written by Nick Grave Nights, another, another one of his that made it over to a Janice Joplin album. Um, so they asked him initially if he wanted to do the vocal, like, a in honor to her or something. Um, and he said he didn't feel comfortable, so they decided to just leave it as an instrumental on the album. Okay. Instead of, uh, yeah, because she hadn't I done mean, any vocals for That makes it, sense. So. I get that. It makes sense, and it also kind of backs up the idea, again, that makes me a little more comfortable with Pearl, that, like, it's ten songs that this was really, like, that the album was pretty much finalized like it's not like they had a different b-side to throw in there right or or not that it was finalized but just that like these were the songs they were working on when they like they didn't have backup songs if if there's only one that they were like you know waiting on yeah yeah so 
Yeah. So Pearl comes out in January 1971. Uh, it shoots to number one on the you know on the heels of her death and being like this is her final album she recorded when she died. Makes um, sense. And lead single Me and Bobby McGee also is a number one hit. Her only, I believe, number one hit. Huh. Right? Or did piece? I thought Piece of My Heart got to like. I thought two. I'm pretty sure Piece of My Heart made it up there. I'm pretty sure we talked about that. Number twelve, Piece of My Heart. Okay. So her only number one hit song was after her after her death. Because of? Eh, I don't think we can say. Yeah. Uh, is me and Bobby McGee a better song than Peace of My Heart? No, but absolutely no. No, the the will of the masses is not necessarily rooted in our own taste, PJ. So, I mean, hell, we're doing a Twenty Seven Club podcast in twenty twenty two. We're obviously not. <laughs> yeah, we're not on top of the game, my friend. Yeah. All right, so are we ready? Do we want to take a quick break and then we can come back and go track by track through Pearl, the final album. Yeah, let's take a And welcome back to the 27 Club. We are about to go track by... It's a good, You guys made it back just in time. We're about to go track just by track through Pearl. I know, everyone rushed back from... Uh, rush back in front of their radios um, to to hear. Yeah. Oh my God! Thanks. Windows for... security has a uh, Windows antivirus did not find any threats. Thank God. Oh my! I was worried for you, Pete. I know. All right. What? Um. So let's just get straight into it. Pearl track number one. Move over. Uh, this is a Janis Joplin composition. Okay. Which, as we know, for her short career here, is fairly rare. Oh, uh, we did not talk about the album cover. It's her laying on a couch. Oh, yeah. It's her, yeah, laying on her... Uh, it's like a... It's one of those Victorian fainting couches. Um, that Speaking of Mad Men, that Betty Draper... One that Betty Draper had. And... Um, well, and that we all have in our second living room. Our exactly. Bed. Yeah. Yes. Um... Yeah, and then apparently the back cover, I didn't actually look it up because I didn't give a shit, but the back cover had us a picture of Full Tilt Boogie Band. That makes sense. The opposite of the Big Brother <laughs> album <Yeah. covers. laughs> So, the band is solid. Yeah, they Basist. are good. It's a very, it's a very interesting sound for her. We've, we've yeah. talked, or I, I talked for way too long in the last episode about how many different genres she's moved through and like excited to hear what we're for some reason i was expecting this album to be a lot different sounding but this is still a surprise to me this like kind of boogie rock thing almost that they're doing yeah it's very like not what i was expecting no it's but it's good modern for this time as well like very i agree i agree that it sounds kind of modern um the organist is really killing it yeah, so they have an organ player and a piano player, uh, and then electric guitar, bass guitar, drums, is the uh, the lineup there. But it's pretty like, yeah, it's 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 actually got more in common with Big Brother than I think I initially kind of thought, just because it's very blues. It's 
pretty jammy, although in a different way than Big Brother. No, it's, um, it's and then less they, it's also pretty jammy and more rock yes, jammy. Exactly. Um, but then it's also pretty jazzy in a way that Big Brother yeah. played around in a lot too. Like, um, yeah, like that guitar solo is just straight up like a jazz guitar solo. Right. I would say where like Big Brother kind of takes a lot of notes from the blues. These guys are a little bit more rock influenced. It seems even though they're called yeah. the blues band. I, I mean, and they're very blues influenced as well. But yeah, I would say they've got a more rock sound kind of rounded it's a, out to there. A little more rock, a little southern rock, I feel like, yeah. which is also, I mean, it's all adjacent to the blues, for sure. Right. But it, it has a little more of, yeah, like that southern rock or like boogie rock vibe than than a blues rock band, I guess. Right. Um, but this song's solid. It's good. Um, and, you know, I this is a song I had heard before we started talking about Janis Joplin. So. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I had never heard any of the even me and Bobby McGee. I had never heard before. So. I think I have this Crazily. album on my. I think I, my brother got this off of LimeWire, so I think I still nice. have it on my iTunes. Um, next song, Cry Baby. We're up top again. We're giving her a torch song. It's song number two. Oh, God, the drummer. And the vocal take. I mean, obviously, impeccable. Yeah, this song's good. I gotta say, it reminds me a lot of, like, Maybe and... I forget the other one off the top of my head, but, like, those those really kind of over-the-top um, songs from Cosmic Blues. Yeah. And I miss I miss the Cosmic Blues sound. I, I yeah. really, like... Her singing with this band gives me a little bit more, like like musical vibes a little bit yeah like the piano okay. and the drums and bass which is like a staple of like of uh musicals basically from like the 2000s and 2010s i feel she like she did do two songs from musicals on the last album so exactly but i didn't think yeah i, I know i know you're right but it just it, it gives it a different vibe that i feel like kind of doesn't work for me with like the over the top um I've said it like a million times, but torch song yeah. <laughs> kind of type of song. It, it, it feels like the instrumentation is like, just not, it's not enough. Like it's not as over the top as her singing. So it feels a little weird to me. I think it's out of place. All that being said, it's a good song. Yeah. It just, uh, it's just, it's hitting me kind of weird for some reason. But I do, I do love that organ for sure. Yeah. I wish, I mean, It'd be a lot cooler if Big Brother had an organ player, because I don't think they did. True. No. I think this is a great song. <laughs> um, we get to oh, a woman left lonely. A woman left lonely. Um, Spotify is doing that dumb thing where it has the album cover and it's like animated. Um, it's like the yeah. worst. Anim- it just kind of like outlines her body shape on the couch and then oh. like multiplies her and then or like, That's you know, stupid. weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the dumbest one I've seen. I'm not a huge fan of this song. The organ is phenomenal, but yeah. 
she's really not letting it I don't know letting her voice fully do her thing on this song I don't think yeah this one's more of a slow burn for sure than than cry baby like I think she gets there at the very end but they they uh, you know they take it slow and build up to it the whole time yeah I even though I would say this has the same kind of issue for me as cry baby where I just feel like the instrumentation is a little weird for the type of song I think it's a better song than Crybaby. I, I think I like better that they kind of build up to it. Here's my thing on it. And, you know, you kind of hit on this when we were talking about Crybaby. I really love the band. Yeah. Right? Like, maybe if somebody else was singing this, it'd be better. And like, like this breakdown, just this breakdown sounds so much. The little piano bass thing sounds so much like something that would be in a musical to me. See, I'm not like, hearing that. I don't know, man. But like, do you listen to a lot of musicals, PJ? No, PJ, I don't. Wait, let's. I've only listened. Okay, to... both at the same time. I assume the number is going to be very close. How many times have you listened to the original cast recording of Wicked? Okay, so just uh, three, two, one, and then just say the number of the okay. how many times you've listened to that full album. Right. Let's go ahead and the full album, all the way through. The full cast recording, yeah, from front to back, just like while you're on a walk or driving around. Yeah. Okay, so three, Three, two, two, one, too many many to count. count. Oh, okay, that's what you said too. Nice. Cool, cool, man. Um, But the only musicals I've heard are Wicked and Hamilton, and this sounds nothing like Hamilton to me. So I mean, it's not it's not every show. Actually, Hamilton does have the same kind of band, but you know, like a Phantom of the Opera type show does not have like just the bass i've bass, never listened um, to phantom of the drums opera. piano I, thing. you listen to a lot more musicals than i do like you really like phantom of the opera i do it's the greatest musical i've never seen I've it heard. you don't really need to see it just listen i've it's never listened incre- to it, it has it, they're incredible songs i am the phantom we're obviously of the really into a woman left <laughs> okay what were you saying i interrupted uh, you did talk it, about musicals it's pretty fucking rude um so i love the the music on this song but I really, I think you're right. I don't think Janice really fits into this this band's equation. I think they really need a different singer, which is crazy to say because you would think that Janice Joplin can kind of like go right. anywhere because her voice is so good. But like, right. they're a little too polished, I think. Yeah. Um, um, but I really Moon? love oh, the music ahead. on that song. Like the musically yeah. very good. I just don't love her voice on it. I guess I get it. Just doesn't mm-hmm. fit for me. Half Moon. And this fucking rules, obviously. Yeah, so this is definitely the, like, weirdest song on the album, I guess I would say. Yeah. Um, Helpfully, the Rolling Stone review from the time pointed out, because I didn't listen to any other Full Tilt Boogie Band music, but helpfully the Rolling Stone review pointed out they're like, this is basically what Full Tilt sounded like before Janet. So, like, yeah, know, this is just probably a song they brought and then, uh, you know, she sang. She sang on. Which, I mean, I think you can kind of tell. Yeah. I mean, it's good. And, like, her yeah. voice is good on it. And I, I think it fits all together. But just the style of music does not. No, it's a weird one. I really like yeah. it, though. Agreed. The, the central riff to the song is awesome. This part. Yeah. Once again, kind of sounds like some shit that would be in a musical. <laughs> Once again, I'm not hearing it, but okay. Yeah, I'll take know, your word for it. That's okay. I don't not believe you. I just don't know enough to substantiate okay. your claim. And I don't know enough about musicals to even know like 
Which I one? know it's a lot of musicals use that kind of instrumentation and like mm -hmm. musical style, but I don't know if that's a specific type of musical. And I'm just are you thinking like Godspell or? Yeah, that's a good example. Hair. I've never heard hair, but I would guess. I wouldn't be surprised. I've seen hair a lot. <laughs> yeah. Because they get naked. Every Oh, I was going to say every time you go down on your wife's hairy pussy. Beach blonde, baby. <laughs> bushy, bushy. Blonde hair, dude. Uh, so that's Half Moon. All right. It's all very competent, is what I will say about the first half of this yeah. album. Buried Alive in the Blues. So this is the instrumental, yeah. And honestly, it, it rocks. It's awesome. It is, man. It's a really good instrumental. So when I first was listening through this album, I was like, wow, what shitheads that they were like, our band's so good. We're going to put an instrumental song on a Janis Joplin album. Right. You know, but then after learning that it was a song, it was the song she was supposed to sing when she died and like it was kind of more in honor of her than anything then it actually kind of took on a nice tinge where it's like oh yeah they're giving space on this album of like this is what it is without janice kind of you know which yeah. actually is like sort of meaningful after her death to be listening to something and like oh, oh yeah. for sure yeah yeah it, it's it's much more interesting than i originally thought it was and it's also just a very fun song it's good it's a good one yeah I don't think we really need to listen to much more of it. It's just no. a pretty good no. instrumental. So we're getting side two. Another baby song. Yes. She must be baby obsessed. Mm. She is 27. Her biological clock is ticking. So this song and Cry Baby were both written by Jerry Ragavoy, oh. who also wrote Peace of My Heart. And who also wrote Time is on My Side. That's very interesting. Yeah, he was a, like, songwriter. Did he work for a... Unclear what studio he worked for. I'm not finding that. Oh, he was the founder of the Hit Factory. There we go. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. That he would have written four yeah. hits. Um... I mean, so this is a song that's in the exact same mold as Cry Baby and A Woman Left Lonely. And oh, yeah. I will say it kind of just sounds the same as them. Like, I like this song, but there's not there's really not, much that's distinct not, from that one. There's not a lot of variety. So here's the thing that all three of these songs do, especially Woman Left Lonely and My Baby, that is distinct from earlier Janis Joplin, like, big songs, we'll say. Mm -hmm. We'll call them. The verses, they're all written very similarly, where the verses are a lot of her just kind of talk singing, or like there's not a yeah. ton of melody, you know? And then the chorus is a very simple but grand melody, where yeah. it's like a short line, and it's not very many notes or anything like super distinct, but it's like the title of the song that just gets like the top of her range. Yeah. Whereas a song like... um let me pull up the name real quick. It's the song I tried to reference earlier and forgot the name of. We'll, we'll listen to this. Whereas one. a song like um, Cosmic Blues, off Cosmic Blues, um, like it changes 
key almost into the chorus. Yeah. There's like a distinct melody that can get like stuck in your head in both the verse and the chorus. Um, and kind of same with maybe like, this is not the definition of a good or a bad song, but I think it maybe says something that I got almost none of these songs stuck in my head this week listening to Pearl. And every other album of Janice's so far that we've listened to, I've gotten a few of those songs like stuck in my head throughout the week. Yeah. Just feels like melodically, there's not a lot distinct happening here. But let's uh, get to me and Bobby McGee. A Chris Christopherson tune, um, right? Who right. apparently Janice had a thing with in early 1970. So. Everybody fucked Chris Christopherson, and everybody and fucked everybody Janice Joplin. Fucked Janis Joplin. Yeah. <laughs> uh, also, she plays guitar on this song for I think the first and only time. Her playing an instrument. You can tell it's somebody who's not like super good at guitar playing it. I mean, just like we talked about on the on the debut Big Brother album, I the love Janice singing country yeah. adjacent tunes, man. Like it's really good. I kind of wish a this was voice. her whole thing, you know? Yeah, I, we yeah. Like this, in this band, this and feels like they could have gone more country. Yeah, and it's like it makes me wish they did more countryish tunes yeah. on this album. That because that like that slide guitar, yeah. And the organ, ah, oh, it's so good. Yeah, the organ sounds great on this. You know, I would listen to Janis Joplin sing like a whole album of like Patsy Cline cover tunes. Yeah, right. Yeah, this song rules. Like it makes sense that this was her one number one hit. You know. Yeah, for sure. I mean, she has better songs. Yeah. She has better songs, maybe not on this album, but... Yeah, she has better songs, and then it's also kind of interesting that this is, like, her number, her most known hit when it's her least... Like, it's the one that I think does the least of showing off her voice. Yeah. Like, she just sounds like a person. Yeah. You don't get like, oh, this is someone with an incredible range and like really distinct singing style on this song. You just get like, this is just Janis Joplin. Right. Which doesn't make it a bad song, but it's just kind of intriguing. Interesting, yeah. Like compare it with her other biggest hit, Piece of My Heart, which is all between Big Brother's playing and her singing all like, this is, this sounds like aliens are making this music kind of shit. Yeah. That should have been her, her other number one hit, I think, but yeah. But this song is good. Yeah. Is Janice on the call? <laughs> uh, do we want to get to Mercedes Benz? I really, really liked this song when I was younger. I think fascinating. Oh Lord, won't you buy me a Mercedes Benz? My friends all drive Porsches. I must make amen. I wonder what this song would sound like with bass on it. My lifetime, no help from my friends. So Lord, won't you buy me a Mercedes Benz? Pretty good, I think. Oh yeah. 
until three. So, oh Lord, won't you buy me a colored TV? Oh Lord, won't you buy me a night on, on the, the town? town? I'm counting on you, Lord. Please don't let me down. Prove that you love me and buy the next So, this is more an observation than trying to say anything good or bad. Her saying everybody, but then no one actually singing along, like, is actually just sad to me. Like, it's a weird, sad thing where it's like, was she doing that because she wanted, like, all the band members are standing around and they're like, no, we don't want to. We don't know this song. Yeah, it's very, very Band of Gypsies. Hey, uh, I do have a quick question for you, Pete. Uh, do you have the personnel listing on there? Who is doing the claps? Hmm. Let's see. Uh, does not say Oh, anywhere. my God, it was a ghost? So I guess I'm going to assume Janice. Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking. I was mostly kidding. Um, yeah. I, it's funny that you looked it up for me, though, so... Here's before we get to trust me. So here's the the thing about Mercedes Benz. So the whole Rolling Stone review was shitting all over her band in Cosmic Blues, right? Yeah. And just how terrible they were and how bad they were. And like they even took a a whole like paragraph out to to note that someone was like one of the horns was out of tune on a song and they did a whole thing about like how could this producer like let this happen and you know why would Janice stoop so low as to play with a band who played out of tune when it's like Big Brother were out of tune all the time? Yeah. And then Janice's like whole thing, she has this incredible voice, but like half of Mercedes Benz is her like failing to hit notes. Like she's flat on a bunch of it. And we know it's not compared to anything, Pete. You don't know what key she's singing in. (laughs) You're right. But it just like, not, I'm fighting with ghosts here, taking issue with a Rolling Stone review from 1969. But it's just so obnoxious where it's like, that's not the point of anything, man. Like, is the music making you feel something good or bad? Or like, you're way too hung up on stuff like that when you're like, this lady who's like, almost her thing is that she sings wildly and not always in tune and in key and everything. Like, out of control basically <laughs> and you're getting mad at her band for like you know. right yeah ridiculous agreed yeah anyway you want to trust, trust me, me? <laughs> this was written by bobby womack and bobby womack is playing acoustic guitar on this track Ooh, yeah Famously wrote the Rolling Stones hit, It's All Over Now. Pretty good song. Pretty. I think this is the best. I mean, this isn't really a slow song, but I would lump it in with My Baby and Cry Baby and Woman Left Lonely. Yeah. And I would say it's the best of the, the of best like, quartet. R&B kind of song yeah, on it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, it's good. That's pretty good. I mean, that Bobby Womack don't miss. Knows what's up. I like that, because there's not much no. that, like... 
for her to work off of, but she still she still gets it. Like yeah. Yeah, I think I think it's really great. I think it's, it's excellently written, and yeah. especially compared to a song like "My Baby," it's like the chorus isn't her just singing "Trust Me" in two notes and really loudly. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. It's it's a competently written song. Sorry, Jerry Ragavoy. <laughs> uh, so get to the final track. Get it while you can. Another Jerry Ragavoy, along with other people, composition, by the way. He must have like worked for Columbia at the time or something, or they Probably. owned these songs, you yeah. know, something like that. My guess was he was a songwriter for. Because I'm pretty sure I've seen his name on other Janis Joplin stuff, so like, yeah. He wrote "Time Is on My Side." I think we talked about that though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We mentioned it. This one's also pretty good. Yeah, this one, again, is much better than all the songs that have come before it. Like, yeah. this, except for My Baby, this back half of the album is... Pretty good, is, yeah. Like, Or I guess just these last four songs. Yeah, I mean, if we're are, comparing the A and really the B good. side, the B side's... Yeah, strong. Much better? Yeah. So... A couple interesting things from Paul Rothschild. So he apparently, he took the gig to work with Janice in Full Tilt yeah. because he, like everyone in the world, was really concerned about her song choices and her band choices um, and made it like his goal to, to his credit, I think like working with her, he didn't just come in and try and railroad the, the recording session, but to try and really find like songs that were more both what she wanted to sing as well as like a fit for her rather than yeah. just being like here's a song that someone with a good voice should be good at and like you know throwing throwing it at her um and she was apparently really happy with like these songs too which says something but um or like enjoyed playing with the band and like yeah. singing these songs the a lot, she enjoyed know, the was, recording process was into it yeah he also called her, interestingly, because at least when she was with Big Brother, they got a lot of shit from their producer for being terrible to work with in the studio. Yeah. He called her a producer's dream. So she's either matured a little bit or that was more Big Brother and not her who pissed Which that I other guy so much I could off see. so much that he quit. Yeah. I mean, we were we were doing a bit a few episodes ago where it was like, you want us to tune our guitars? Who the fuck, yeah. are, who the fuck yeah. are you? You know? So, well, and it, it seemed like... I don't know exactly what it was, but just when she gets full tilt, she seems to have kind of a renewed, like, sense of, like, I just, I really want to make good music kind of thing, you know, yeah. where, like, before, I mean, she had that with Cosmic Blues, too. She kind of seemed like she was just riding the wave with Big Brother, and then she, right. like, this is her second stab at, like, I'm going to get a new band, and I'm going to do this right this time kind of thing, so. Makes sense. All that being said, PJ, do you want to go ahead and share your thoughts on Pearl? Oh, it's boring. It's for sure boring. Um, <clears throat> and like we were talking about, like when when on an album is the B side better than the A side? It's pretty rare. On a pretty boring album, I think. Um, uh, Life of Pablo, but yeah, 
I just didn't like that album altogether, <laughs> though. Um, that's a that's an off the wall example to throw at you yeah. when we're talking about Janis Joplin. Um, I just think that it is the. I mean, the good songs on it are quite good. Um, yeah. Get it while you can. Great. Um, trust me. Great. Me and Bobby McGee. Great. You know. But the rest of the songs are just boring. Like they they yeah. sound they all sound the same. It's I don't know. I don't love an album where everything is the same. You know, you need some variety. Um, but they could have called it Janis Joplin sings the Jerry Ragavoy songbook. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> she picked it up at the corner store, and um, but you know it it <clears throat> they're like the same tempo, the same thing yeah. going on. And I think those were a lot of mid-tempo songs. Yeah, Yeah. which is just like, even if the good songs are spread out through the album, it might make it more interesting. But I don't love that the whole middle of the album, it's like, oh, another one of these. Um, You know, she sounds great on it. The band is tight on it. Some of them, they don't really work together well. Um, Yeah. Like you were saying, and, you know, I, I wish I liked this album more than I do. Um, I really do, but yeah. you know, I think between this album and the last few albums of Janis Joplin, we could make a pretty fucking like they could make a ten out of ten album, one hundred percent. But it'd give you some whiplash though. Going it would. All it really would. Um, you tried to do just one. Yeah, her best of must be fucking nuts. I bet it's crazy. To. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so you know, like uh, this. I don't know. It just wasn't. I yeah. wish I I had, I was hoping for more. I same. I was I was underwhelmed. I I was so high coming off Cosmic Blues because I loved that album, and was so excited for like let's get some more different Janis Joplin. And I gotta say, I feel like Pearl left me feeling a little bit like our friend, the Rolling Stone reviewer of Cosmic Blues, where I was feeling a little like this band just doesn't work for her no. this isn't yeah this isn't doing it for me and it's not doing but it for i do me think they're of... a good band in their own right oh yeah for yeah. sure yeah i i agree i was it, it was just kind of eh. like it it, yeah. it struggled it was like a weird week because i listened to this album a lot i really tried sometimes if an album doesn't click i kind of fall off and like don't listen to it as much but i was so into the last two janice joplin albums that i'm like i have to make sure that pearl isn't amazing and it's just like yeah. It's not just one of those that takes me a while to get into. And I just couldn't get into it, man. I listened to it yeah. a lot and and it it never clicked for me um in the way that the the last couple have. And listen to Cosmic Blues like midweek too, just to be like am I crazy? No, Cosmic Blues is still incredible to me. So um yeah, so it's disappointing uh for me. I mean, it's not like a disappointing piece of music but it's disappointing for me um since we're talking about rolling stone reviews uh the pearl uh-huh. rolling stone review since it came out after her death it's like half just retrospective of her life and half review of the album yeah and i think i'm reading in between the lines correctly here they're very nice to it but they seem to be very nice to it in a way where they also weren't that into it but it felt too mean to be like this poor yeah. lady who just died and we're just going to crap all over her newest yeah. album. Sorry, your album sucked, Janice. Have a good yeah, funeral. It's a lot of like, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Calling things like 
very competently done and like it's it's a lot you know what i mean a lot Just of in a between lot of the language. lines yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. so anyway um, that's funny we should but it's start also a segment by far our this... most famous album oh go ahead we start a rolling stone segment where we talk we really about... should yeah if we talked about bob dylan i guess like a rolling stone could be a good uh thing but well, he's still they'll kicking. probably review like all the doors albums too and stuff you know so yeah um but it's by far her most famous album like this is the only album yep. cover of janice's that i knew i think before we started the show yeah um, it's the one that and that's like, up on every like hard rock cafe and shit like yeah that. for sure and yeah. it's like you know it's the one that like anyone who's like pretty into music who's like vaguely into music in the 70s they're gonna own this one yeah and you know rumors and tapestry um <laughs> and it's not a bad album in any way yeah. but it's just it never grabbed me or, or gave me any sort of feeling close to what the highs of what cheap thrills and cosmic blues got so i'm gonna go ahead and say a six which actually feels kind of high but now that i, I say all that but I'm gonna i was gonna say, say a, six a five out um, five out of ten because you know in our world she died what 41 years ago so i don't really have to be nice to it like <laughs> True. Yeah, yeah yeah no for sure um and for me like five is courteous yeah i kind of almost agree with you yeah i i think it's a low five in my book yeah yeah like it, it could be it could be less than that because like i i i mean i'm really i talk about a lot like if i'm gonna if i really like the album if i'm gonna take some songs off for for a playlist yep. or like if i don't like the album but some songs are good but i'm like i literally don't know if there is a single song on here that i'm like i gotta listen to that again yeah none Crazily. that i'm like, like even me and bobby to. mcgee i'm just not yeah. that into it's it's good it's a good song it's competent like country rock but it wasn't it's not life-changing to me in any way so right I mean, look, dude, call me or whatever from their debut album was more meaningful to me than any songs. Yeah, exactly. So. You love that song. <laughs> so, all right. Well, PJ, now let's move on to the final segment of our show. Their we score are, out of 27. Yes, our, our ranking of Janis Joplin in her 27-ness as part of the 27 yeah. Club. And let, let, let me walk through the rating here um, in case you, you missed it. We are rating them out of 27 on how... Oh, we're doing years. this. Okay. Yeah. Their impact. Wait. Yeah. Are we doing this again? I kind of thought we forgot about that for some reason. <laughs> oh, I wrote it down on a sticky note. That's the only reason oh, I nice. remembered. Good job. All right. Let's do it. Why not? So we rate their impact out of seven, their fame out of seven, their musicianship out of six, and their 27-ness out of seven. Sure. So Pete, what do you think her impact is? Uh, Impact at the time. I would say no, six. no, 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 no. This is yeah. impact overall, fame at the time. I thought it was impact at the time, fame after death, or some shit. Jesus. Uh, well, I mean, either That's way, like, it'll have equal it in the my same thing. shit. But. One of them will be, yeah. One of them will be after death. One of them will be when they're alive. I think fame. Oh wait, we have fame during life, impact after death, and then okay. musicianship and twenty sevenness. Right. Okay. Jesus. So it's impact so during their lifetime. Okay. Fame. No impact after death. Fame oh, so I was right. Okay. <laughs> you were right. Jesus Christ. This is the All worst. Right. So fame during their life. Let's start with that. Okay. I would say four. Oh no, I was vacillating between five and six. 
I would say five. Let's split the difference. I mean, I mean, I almost want to go six just because it's like you have to be. She did play Monterey famous Pop for and like Woodstock, right? Yes, and <sighs> I mean, again, we gotta I'm go wrong. back to these Rolling Stone reviews, man. Yeah, <laughs> but just like Rolling Stone, when they care that much, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. okay, so and the Pearl review, I will say, it had a whole retrospective thing, and they rank her a, a, a paraphrase as like one of the great artists where you have to like pay attention to everything they've ever released. So like, here's our review of Pearl. Thing. Okay. So like at the time in 1971, I think a six is fair then. Okay. Maybe, yeah. Okay. I will also give her a six. Yeah. What about impact after death? I would say lower. Like she's definitely a main member of the 27 club, Yeah. but, but that's I would say it's less is. than six. No, I know. Like she's a yeah. main member of the club. So like she's famous because of that, but Compared to other artists in the 27 Club, and especially compared to the top artists, I feel like she is less commonly one that people get into I disagree. later on. I think her impact is high. I think every... Interesting. Everybody See, who wants... To, to give yeah. Everybody who wants to be a singer, uh, like, knows Janis Joplin. Yeah, everybody yeah. who's into classic rock knows Janis Joplin. I feel like yeah. her... I mean, her picture's everywhere, like in fucking record stores and stuff. There's always that one picture of her. Well, I mean, there's always kind of the Pearl album cover everywhere. Yeah. So I would say, I mean, like, she's known. Like, if you ask somebody, do you know who Janis Joplin is? I think most of the time they'll be like, yeah, she does uh, Peace of My Heart, you know? What? So what do you, like a six? I would say a six. I would would match my last one. What do you think? I was going to say like a four, but... Okay. I was kind of just comparing it to like a Jimi Hendrix or a I Jim mean, Morrison type, right? Who are but, way more famous. I think I yeah. would say she's on par with Jim Morrison personally. But all right, fair. Musicianship, which for her is really just vocal ability. Vocal ability um, got to be a seven, I think. Six, this maybe is the one out of six. There are one out of six, huh? No, this is the one that's out of six. Oh yeah, I know. Oh okay, okay. Yeah, you wanted to give her a seven out of six. Yeah, I. Yeah. No. I actually, crazily, I think she has an incredible voice, but I... Five, I think. Yeah, uh, or even four, because she has an incredible, like, raw talent. She has the incredible raw talent, but she never, in her lifetime, turned a corner into that being, into yeah. her, like, being that in control of it, I guess, or, like... I think you're it right. It feels like... But, I mean, like, on the songs where she's amazing, she's amazing, but I think I'm going down a little bit. I think I'm going to say five. I'm going to stick with that. Because that first album was kind of a shrug yeah. with her voice a lot of the time. So you want to give her a four? Yeah. Okay. And 27-ness. I would say five out of seven. Oh, I'm going to say six. All right. She's one of the core members, man. She's not as famous as a Kurt Cobain or a, or a Jimi Hendrix, but she's I know, but on I think all we've of the talked things. about it. Yeah, true, 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 true. Yeah, all right, I'll go six. Okay, so that means your score is 20 out of 27, and my score is 23 out of 27. So what, like 22 if we average them? Yeah, if we average them, it's uh, yeah, so just 22. 22. Um, nice. But then what would you give her if we're not doing this stupid scale? Uh, I probably would have gone higher. I would have too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I'm maybe, surprised that mine only came out to 20 because I probably would have gone like 20. 
I want to say 25 or 24 is what yeah. I would have said, I think, by myself. Let's meet in the middle. Let's meet at 24, I think. Sure. Let's just say 24 out of 27. Yeah. And let's not do this scale again, Pete. Yeah, this sucks. <laughs> that was just almost boring at the end. I, yeah. I mean, I don't want to speak for you, but um, 24 out of 27. Because I, I just feel like she is a defining member, but absolutely, I, yeah. I do think there's some knocks against her. Whereas like a Jimi Hendrix type, there's pretty much no reason to like, you know. Well, she didn't have down a peg. For me, all. for me, it's a. I I was gonna say twenty five, but I think twenty four is right too. She is a defining. She's a core member for sure. If you had mm-hmm. to boil it down to four, she would be in it. You know. Yeah. Yes, but, she is in the top four for sure. Yeah, but she didn't have anything. She didn't have a masterpiece to me. Yes. She didn't have one defining piece of music that I was like, yes, that. Mm-hmm. Piece of My Heart comes the closest, but even then, one song on an entire album, I don't know. I don't know right. about that. And it's also not, it's really great, but I don't think it's like a perfect song. Right. I don't know I don't know that she does maybe have a perfect, perfect song. No. But and like, we, might be, we might be being a little too hard on her. That but, could um, be. And like, there's not a whole bunch of mystery surrounding her death. Like, there's some. It's like true. Well, yeah. Did she trip because her heel got caught in the yeah. shag carpet? Or and did who she took overdose the needles, on heroin? You know? But knows? it's like, but we know for sure she overdosed on heroin like that. But it's it's a matter of like who was there when, you know. But it's not as mm-hmm. as mysterious as like a Brian Jones, you know, or even a Robert right. Johnson, you know. So, yeah. well, PJ, before we go, I want to share just one final Janis Joplin related fact, which is. We're too young to know this, but uh, so maybe other people know of this. It, it seems like it was fairly famous at the time. But um, so a la the um, Andre 3000 Jimi Hendrix biopic in 1979, yeah. there was a Janis Joplin biopic named called The Rose. Oh, wow. Uh, that was loosely based on her life because her uh, family declined to allow the rights to her story. Wow. But that's helpful for Janis Joplin because they can do almost all her songs because most of them are covers. Yeah. But it starred none other than Bette Midler as Janis Joplin. Oh, my God. I know. Wow. And I'm like, I feel like I got to see that movie, but I also really don't want to watch that movie. So Were they allowed to call her Janis Joplin in the movie, at least? No, it was a fictional singer. Oh, wow. Like a, it was, I forget the name of the person off the top of my head. Let me look that up real quick. Where was it? And it was originally titled, I was wondering if The Rose was a substitute. It was the originally Pearl. titled Pearl, yeah. but they changed it because I guess, I don't know whether like the family owns the rights to her calling her Pearl. I don't know. But Mary Foster is a famous rock and roll diva known as The Rose. <laughs> wow. Wow. They couldn't have picked a worse casting, I think. Bet and instead of Texas, she's from Florida. <laughs> of course. Yeah. A beautiful Florida Rose. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's right. Wow. Yeah, man. Oh. At some point, she calls someone on a car phone. Cool. Nineteen seventy. I didn't know those existed in 1970. That's interesting. Um, I thought that, that is, was early. Well, the first phone. cell phone in a film is Lethal Weapon, which was late 70s. I believe it was 79. Damn. No, Lethal right. Weapon was I guess I just don't. I'm so I just wrong. don't know car phones. Yeah, you meant late 80. Yeah. 
I guess. <laughs> All right. Well. So that's that's what we're leaving you with here. This has been the Pearl herself, Miss Miss Joplin. Yeah. Another one gone too soon. How old was she when she died? Ooh, I didn't check on that. Let me. Eh, it doesn't matter. Oh no, twenty twenty seven. Twenty seven. Oh. Interesting. Weird. Huh. We should same age as Alan Wilson. Yeah. Oh yeah, and they were born the same year. That's crazy. That is spooky. Huh. All right. Well. Well, we'll see be- you next time uh, at the crossroads yeah, where we're yeah. talking about the doors. And I'll see you on the other side of that door, Pete. Okay, sure. A Beach Boys Boys production. Yeah, if this is an edit point, because they Weird Al was on Comedy Bang Bang, I think, in the last couple months, and like yeah. they were talking about the fact that there's a podcast about him now, because I think it was like someone Scott knew, like it was, I think. That would make sense to me. Who is it? Yeah, I remember. I feel like it was like in that that oh you know, it's called the super famous but the weird alphabet yes let's see does their right. thing say the host's name because ours so the, uh, with that show do they go a to z through his career that's the only way that show makes sense is if they don't go in chronological order through his albums but they go alphabetically oh my through. god they have 250 episodes how is that possible 240 are you sure it's not like it's episode 24 but for some reason they say 240 no (laughs) i don't know how that would be why that would be a thing no they have that many episodes that is fucked are they all five minutes long and they release them five times a week it looks like they do a similar thing to what we've done no okay we're doing a deep dive on the weird alphabet which we don't have to bleep now, but if we do start a Weird Out podcast, we'll have to bleep it yeah, every time we, we say it. They go song by song. Oh, that's why. Wow. Fuck that. They- I hate that. You know what? I'm going to go ahead. I Oh, and it's not in order. Oh, they are going alphabetically. So Through all his songs. Yeah, every single song. You know what? Fine. I don't know why. Why would they do that? So the name makes sense, I guess? Yeah, I was going to say, it feels like a podcast where they thought of the name and then had to work around that. Yeah. Don't feel like it would make for a better podcast. Wouldn't it just be weird to be like, here's oh, a song that's from what 1979? Their thing is about, being weird. Oh, uh, I know. But like, here's a Weird Al song from 1979, and then, oh, here's Foil. Doesn't yeah. make any sense. Let's see. I don't think any of these fuckers are famous. They all, none of them look good enough to be famous i feel like that would either give you really weird whiplash or it would just be sad because you're like wow they sound the exact same yeah in like 30 years so then that's kind of 
like weird that they haven't changed at all or i guess he hasn't changed at all i don't know who runs this fucking podcast dog it doesn't say it's i just which makes me think it's not famous people but also like why would it have come up on comedy bang bang you know yeah that's my only thought is it's like because there's podcasts about everything but it's like okay they have a website let's try this this is gonna take a lot of editing no they do not have anything They have the pictures of the four people, but... That's the only... Yeah. Is it against our principles? I mean, I'm sure if we listen to the show in, like, the first five minutes, they would introduce themselves. But Give me one second, Pete. I'm way ahead of you. They have a Facebook. I wonder if it says on their Facebook. So one of them is named Michael because he needs help funding it's the CB surgery. Oh, here we go. I found it. David Spencer, Michael Hunter, Daniel Kaka, and Andrew Frola. Dude, his last name is Kaka? But I don't know any of those names, so I don't know. I have no idea. Okay. Weird Al's on the short list. Okay. That was easy. Yeah. <laughs> Long story short. He's on short. the short list for next time with yeah. Stevie Wonder and whoever else we like. Almond Brothers. Yeah, Almond Brothers. Yeah. All right. 